Hello and welcome to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the number one result on Google for Autonomous Cars podcasts. I'm Mark Hogue, a California licensed attorney, a 2X startup founder, a UCLA Bruin with a background in engineering and an economics degree, and twice a week we'll be discussing the products, tech, law, policy, and societal impacts of autonomous cars as they bring about the greatest step change in humanity since the Industrial Revolution. Today, Friday, the 8th of March, 2019, episode 88. But first, it's International Women's Day, so a huge shout-out to all the women working hard to bring autonomous vehicles to the world. And it got me thinking, of all the guests we've had on the show, we've had just one woman, and that was Elena Farnsworth, the CEO of The Next Education. And so look, this is 2019. Going forward, this this has got to change. Um, so consider yourselves on notice. If you listen to this podcast, if you work in the autonomous vehicle space, and yes, if you're a woman, please do reach out to me by LinkedIn, email, Twitter, whatever. Or if any of you listening would be good enough to make any introductions, please just do so. It would be my privilege and honor to have you on the show. But that's not in any way to minimize the honor I have in introducing to you our guest today, Ro Gupta. So Ro is the CEO at Carmera. They're a startup that he founded four years ago, developing real-time HD mapping solutions for autonomous vehicles. If that sounds vaguely familiar, that's because, well, yeah, we covered a lot about the good folks over at Here Technologies. If you remember, I was invited out to CES to help moderate some talks back in January for Here Technologies. And yeah, look, there isn't sort of one winner takes all in this space. And so really thrilled to have Ro on the show to talk about what they're up to, how it's all going to play out, and crucially, and I should say awesomely, the fantastic partnership they just landed with Toyota. So without further ado, we've got 30 minutes of discussion coming up right now with Ro Gupta, CEO and founder of Carmera. Hope you're sitting comfortably. Let's dive in. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. But first, it is Friday, which means it's time to bring back Friday Poll Day, which I have been simultaneously promising and uh, forgetting since the new third season started back towards the end of January after CES. Uh, yeah, well, that's all been remedied now because if you've noticed over on my Twitter at Autonomous Hogue, I've actually already started running a poll precisely so I don't forget to do it. Yeah, it's been up since, uh, I guess yesterday. No, two days ago, I guess. Um, I'm asking a, what I think is probably one of the most important questions I've asked. So please do head on over. The poll will continue to run as always until Tuesday morning when the next week's episode goes live ish. More or less, anyway. Um, but yeah, so head on over to twitter.com slash autonomous hogue. You'll see the poll there. It involves Tesla slash Elon's usage of the full self-driving capability language to describe autopilot when ordering your Model 3. Anyway, read the question carefully, cast your vote. We'll report back here on Tuesday. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Ril. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining me on the show. Uh, obviously, I just want to kick it off, hand it over to you. If you could uh, dive in with a bit of your background. Obviously, it's pretty exciting what you guys are up to. But having glanced at your LinkedIn, of course, it is quite a fascinating, varied background. So if you want to give us the brief uh, couple minutes of how one thing led to this, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is it is a uh, varied background, and there's a, a much longer version of the story. But um I think the, you know, so again, my CEO, co-founder of Primera, and um, if your audience doesn't already know, uh, we do high-definition mapping for autonomous vehicle market. But in terms of my background, um, you know, actually, uh, uh, I was, so I was going way, way back. I was born in India, um, moved to the, the States when I was four or five. And the reason I bring that up is that I, I don't think I actually even realized this until maybe a year or two into the company, but I think... Um, spending time in developing countries, um, you know, certainly being born in one and also later in life spent time in uh, like countries like Mozambique, for example, for NGO projects. I think that really helps you um, develop an appreciation for mobility infrastructure, especially, especially roads. Um, and so I think it's fitting that, um, you know, so much of what we focus on is uh, roads and you know, as we call it street intelligence, um, you know, like in, previous lives or you know when i was young you just don't take it for granted that you can get from point a to point b that there will be a well-functioning road in place right yeah, um, sure. so that should give you a little bit of a flavor um in terms of some of the psychology going way back but i think more recently really how i got into the transportation space and also some of the technical disciplines that we work with is when i was an undergrad engineer at Princeton in the 90s and um, was in a sort of very multidisciplinary program there um, in the operations research department, which is an engineering department, but it's a lot kind of a mishmash of you know, statistics and computer science and economics. And, um, um, and in this case, there happened to be uh, quite a big transportation focus as well, led by one particular faculty member. And so this is back, you know, 1998, 1999 was even back then was modeling out autonomous transit system. So it's particularly uh, one, one sort of uh, format of that, which is called uh, personal rapid transit or PRT for short. It's just mm-hmm. a concept that's been around for a long time, but essentially, and there, there's some of these systems exist in the world, but essentially it was sort of the precursor to what's happening now with, you know, shared, um, uh, you know, with ride sharing and ultimately autonomous ride sharing. But the, the big difference was we modeled it out as, as being on a monorail, <laughs> but everything mm-hmm. else, you know, like personal pods on demand using mobile technologies, all that, you know, is really fascinating. It's, it's a, this is a decades long concept. Um, and I got some exposure to it, you know, in, in my kind of young impressionable days and equally right around the, that time in the late nineties was also when I got exposed to some of the early versions of um, computer vision technology, mm-hmm. kind of a non, the non deep learning <laughs> flavor of that. And then also uh, neural networks, which is obviously the, you know, the, kind of fundamental uh, deep learning technology uh, that you see today. 
Um, but, you know, back then it was very theoretical. Uh, in fact, in some ways seen as a little bit gimmicky or kind of a fad of the week type thing with, you know, some of the faculty members. But nonetheless, it was still pretty fascinating to get exposure to that um, so early on. And, uh, but then, you know, fast forward 15, 20 years later, um, and, you know, these things started to get real. And, um, you know, when I was at my prior company, is a startup called Discuss is the, the, the web. Oh, yeah. Yeah. the web's most probably still biggest commenting platform mm-hmm. um you know when i was thinking about my next challenge uh, that's when all these you know moore's law caught up enough and uh, a lot of things were actually really starting to happen in mobility and uh, in autonomous vehicles in particular um and also what happened to also be the case was that at discuss the data aspect of that company was one of kind of the big focus areas uh, for me and also ended up being one of the big um strategic assets of the company um and so wanting to start a new company that was very data centric was also very appealing for that reason so uh, i'll pause there but hopefully yeah well i I mean that's awesome i mean if ever there was a data centric thing it is surely this um so let's dive into hd mapping i guess kind of at a high level first and kind of drill down um i've talked quite a bit about it on this podcast in the past uh just to throw out another name for the sake of it. Uh, so here technology is obviously doing what I believe to, if I understand correctly, certainly a similar sort of thing. Um, frankly, I think there's going to be many players in this space. Um, do you feel like kind of diving into some of the uh, differences in the approach or overarching kind of mission as between the two, or is there indeed a lot of yeah. kind of parallel approach here? No, for sure. I mean, it, you know, it is, it is a good kind of uh, comparison and we, you know, are very familiar with, with here. Uh, I also happen to just, I think the here story, uh, the, the predecessor to here, the company NavTech was yeah, yeah. a really, mm-hmm. really great story. You know, sure. it's really um, pioneering company that um, really created a segment. And, uh, you know, we know lots of people who come out of that company, work with them. Um, I think we also know here very well because a lot of our employees were customers of their there's at previous companies, you know, sense. very large uh, technology companies who use them for map data. Um, and, you know, the same is true for uh, TomTom as well. And I think, um, I actually think the, you know, a lot of what you've probably heard from uh, here uh, conceptually is, uh, you know, a lot of we would agree with, actually. I think they've, you know, like the, the vision behind um, kind of pooling data across um, lots of automakers or even just generally lots of probe data from whatever vehicles on the road, using that to keep these maps uh, updated and, and alive, so to speak. Um, I think the business model actually has worked pretty well for the automotive industry. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's also like a, um, a good alternative to have to, you know, uh, these, these automotive companies when they're, when they're worried about having to, to partner with uh, what's called, you know, Google or, or one of the big technology companies, and they, they're looking for a more independent option. You know, I think here recognize that well, and also developed a, a data as a service business model that um, aligned really well with uh, what the automotive industry, like how they wanted to buy, and, and how that aligns with their own economics. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think all of that um, we definitely embrace. I think the challenge has been and continues to be, which you know, again, we we know firsthand is. That's a, you're talking two decades old infrastructure in terms of the yeah. technology. Uh, obviously also there's, you know, it's, it's become very confusing in terms of um, ownership, allegiances. It's, it's very, all very complicated. Um, and, uh, and then the other thing is in terms of operational domain, um, 
I think that's also like the, the, the traditional focus for the incumbents like here has been very different than what's going to be required in the future. So I can elaborate on that a little bit. So first off, in terms of technology, one thing that, you know, there's, there's actually probably two main things we highlighted that we felt like were the biggest unsolved problems, you know, not just with the incumbents, but really anybody. Um, one was um, the technology that has been existent to date for the past 10, 15 years has been much more building maps for humans, not for machines. Right. And also uh, more or less fairly static maps, um, keeping these maps up to date, especially uh, maps that machines need to read at this you know, very high level of granularity and accuracy, richness in general. Um, it's really hard, you know, the, the change detection, the change management is um, a really big challenge. And so, um, you know, doing that on top of 20 year old uh, technology stack is also really challenging. And, and a good example is, you know, waiting months for a simple one way sign, for example, to be updated yep. was, was okay. You know, it, it was sort of okay when you were providing maps for humans and ultimately, you know, human could just make the decision or, Kind of correct themselves, but it, it doesn't really fly for robots. Uh, and so, you know, getting that kind of refresh rate, that turnover cycle from, you know, months down to minutes or even better is, you know, obviously the big challenge. And that's something that we kind of just had the luxury to be able to architect our technology to accommodate it for, from day one, just because, you know, we started in 2015 as opposed to in 1995. Um, right. So another... actually, can we talk about that? Oh, sorry. Please. Sure. Uh, no, I just well, wanted to see I... if we can... <laughs> Sorry, our, our voices are delayed here. Go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I'll just say the second point, and then yeah, we can go to back to both of them. The, the second one is a, probably a shorter explanation, which is really more uh, domain related, which is mm-hmm. um, you know not just focusing on highways, but also being able to um, do this kind of uh, living high definition mapping in more urban, you know, denser, more more complicated areas like cities. And and so, by the way, for both of those reasons, it's and there's other reasons as well, but both of those reasons for us, like we started the company in New York city. Uh, you know, we now have offices in a number of places. Uh, we have an HQ in Seattle as well and other offices in, in the U S and abroad, but New York was solve the kind city of an unusual choice. What's that? <laughs> solve the city problem first and everything else. Yeah. Is yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of an unusual choice in AV. We still don't really know of any other AV companies here, but, um, you know, we kind of had this saying of like, well, if we can map Midtown, we could probably map, map Mountain View. You know, so that's why like, Cruise Automation, as you probably know, is an SF. And as far as I knew, they were going to open up in New York as well. But I guess correct. It's, it's not yeah. 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 But yeah, you're right. That's actually, it is a pretty similar kind of thinking there, which is they wanted to like be exposed to as much difficulty and complexity as possible. And yep. for us, we also uh, uh, definitely embrace that as well. Yeah. I mean, as an aside, I've, I've kind of wondered out loud several times why it is that Waymo has been doing everything down in Arizona where roads are larger than most airport runways and think, and where nobody even takes taxis. Everyone drives themselves. I mean, some kind well, of thing. Well, what I, they, you know? I think both are actually a good idea. Like I think, you know, but for different reasons in terms mm-hmm. of, in terms of trying to catch up, right. Or, or really accelerate your capabilities, you know, getting exposed to real difficult environments sooner rather than later. Um, you know, I think there's a, a lot of, you know, there's a, a certain logic to that. Right. And, and this is, as you as you acknowledge, this is what Cruise yep. uh, has thought. This is what we've thought for mapping, um, and this is why you know not just New York, but you know we announced our news with uh, Toyota last week and what we're doing with Tokyo. But you know we've also been in a lot of other really chaotic places over the past few years, including you know San Francisco's and Seoul and other cities as well. 
but at the same time, you know, then there's the other question though is like, hey, we want to ship something, you know, and we actually want to be able to, uh, you know, be in, in production and, and have commercial services operating. And, um, you know, if de-risking that, if choosing environments that are simpler, that you can do that, you know, that have better weather, that have less complexity, uh, gets you there faster, that's, you know, that, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Uh, and by the way, we have another, another customer we're able to talk about publicly is the perfect embodiment of that company called Voyage. Oh, yeah, um, for sure, yeah. Yeah, they're based uh, they're based in the Bay Area, but you know they're probably what most well known deployment is in Florida, mm-hmm. the largest retirement city. In, right, exactly. Maybe even in the world, and um, you know that's a again a, an even more I guess extreme version I guess you could say of of operating in Arizona, where it's you know it's it's constrained environments, lower speed limits, um, you yep. know, a lot more controlled environment in general. Well, so look, and we're about kind of halfway through our time slot. Let's see. What I'd love to touch on, if you want to dive into a bit, is kind of the partnership with Toyota. Obviously, that's how we got connected for this call. Um, so we'd love to kind of hear what the idea is going forward. Um, let's see. And then um, maybe we can dive in a little bit into some of the technology, both from the actual tech point of view, but also rather from the kind of practical and even the human side of things uh, with respect to, say, privacy or opting into this, that, the other, and a few other things besides I'd love to dive into with you. Um, but yeah, the partnership with Toyota. So sure. what's kind of, where that, where's that headed? What's the game plan? What can you share? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think actually it's, it is a good segue because it, it, as I said, it's, it's kind of, you know, there's a number of customers around the world we work with, but you know, most of them um, can't really talk about, but a two that we can are the ones I already mentioned. So right. uh, Voyage, you know, on one side of the spectrum and Toyota on the other. And I, actually, it's kind of fun to be able to talk about both of those because they really do cover you know, such a breadth of, um, you know, sure. use cases, technical approaches, economic models, geographies. And for us, really, the our main focus is that we really want to work with the companies in the space who are very serious about shipping. And, you know, either that might be production vehicles that are sold to privately owned, to, to consumers rather, or to, or for robo-taxi services in a retirement community. Yep. But, um you know, I think regardless, like, I think that's, that frames, you know, the kind of the poles of, of what we're able to serve really well, those two customers. And so, you know, it wasn't until recently that we could talk about Toyota, which is the other extreme, which is, you know, when they think about things, they're thinking about how can this be in every Toyota vehicle, which is, you know, Toyota vehicles are in almost every country where there's drivable roads, right? So yep. you're talking about really true global scale in production, really the long game, and so that's, I think, very much was the theme of, um, you know, some of the stuff we started to announce last week, which is what's it going to take to actually get to that scale? Um, and there was a few specific focus areas of the work we're doing uh, with them. Um, Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That kind of answers that question. Uh, one was, I think, something that already mentioned. Actually, two things that we've already mentioned. Uh, one was around being able to create these uh, HD maps, which have become a real 
fundamental part of the AV stack, basically a gating factor. Um, almost mm -hmm. all companies won't deploy without them in place. Um, and because of that, since most of the HD mapping to date has really only been done on highways, you know, that's only, you're, you're only talking about like 1% of the, you know, the road um, sure. mileage in the world. And so, you know, this uh, work is very much in downtown areas of Tokyo um, on surface streets as opposed to limited access highways. So uh, that well, also isn't there a big difference between HD maps and so-called real-time HD maps, right? So for example, I guess one could argue that Cadillac Super Cruise is effectively an HD map for highways, but surely it's not updated in real time. Well, yeah, you read my mind. So that was the second point. Yeah, <laughs> and that was, also the, the, that, was, that was the second part of this work of the themes that were mentioned is the change detection. So not just right. doing static maps for highways, but doing, you know, ever changing maps for more complicated areas like urban, sure. um, urban zones. So, so that was a, that, that is a big part of it. That, that for us has, you know, always been um, something we focus on from day one, as we've mentioned. And then another, um, actually two other parts that were mentioned in our news was, um, being able to use very commodity uh, sensors data as opposed to uh, assuming um, we were going to be getting, for example, you know, high quality LIDAR data to build and maintain these maps. Uh, that's also something that um, we've kind of, we kind of sensed that that would be an issue years ago. Uh, you know, you were starting to talk to some of the auto companies early on and they said, well, while LIDAR is great and it can, you know, certainly be useful for say base mapping, um, the jury is still out as to whether, you know, every car uh, is going to have uh, LIDAR sensors in, in 10 years. And therefore, you know, the much safer bet is to assume, you know, much cheaper components like cameras, um, which we're using for this work with Toyota and others, uh, like what can you do with just that, right? And, and and also things like you know low compute and other restrictions that. Oh, so that's interesting. So just just to be clear, you guys are strictly camera then, no no lidar at all. Uh, well, for yeah, for this work we're doing with Toyota, that's correct. Uh, cool. I, you know, but I will say we do use lidar. Um, you know, we oh, have and we do use lidar yeah. for um, for base mapping in particular. Right, that, that's but what I was going to say. I assume so. Yeah. Yeah, but we've always we've never used it really. Uh, for uh, maintenance, and that's the right. key. That's the hardest part, right? Yep, that's one yep. thing to just to just throw a lot of uh, sensing technology at a static map, but to maintain it, that's where really the questions about um, cost and scale come in, into play. So that's why we we from day one we kind of constrained ourselves to using only cheap camera data. And sure, so that that, that was uh, a, a big theme of this uh, this partnership. And then and then the last was um, this news came about a month after. Toyota had announced an initiative they call the, um, the Open Autonomous Mapping Platform, mm -hmm. or AMP as they call it. Yep. And that was a pretty significant news. That was quite significant actually, um, in that they announced this initiative to be able to you know, really pull data from all different sources, um, but with really the, you know, the largest automaker leading the way on that and be willing to actually share and open source their own data, as long as you know, the other participants in this program, whether they're other automakers or whether they are, you know, delivery fleets or whether they're cities, whatever they might be, as long as they're also contributing. Um, and that's something that we haven't really talked about too much, but um, was a major part of our business model from day one. Uh, one of the first things we did when we launched the company was to test and then validate this um, service model of deploying a visual telematics service with delivery fleets that are operating, you know, already have lots of vehicles on the road and operating in the areas that we care about. Mm -hmm. um, and so we provide them with a 
you know, a, a telematics and a, and a monitoring service to keep their drivers safer. Um, and in return, that's a really great source of um, change detection data for, um, you know, to keep the maps up to date. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we've been doing that for years, even before we had even met the folks at Toyota. And so that was yet another reason why their vision for the future really matched well with ours in terms of the ability and the will, and in their case, to um, to ingest and pull data from a variety of sources, not just kind of you know silo that just to one automaker. Mm -hmm. No, it makes a lot of sense actually. Um, so let's dive into some of the technology itself uh, at a kind of deeper level. I mean, so you're collecting a lot of sensor data, so I'm guessing things like suspension, wipers, ABS, traction control, etc. Um, I guess what I wanted to ask is, so one of the issues that turns up and that with my background as a lawyer, this always kind of interests me. You know, you, there's always a big question that arises, whether or not it's valid, it does arise, the issue of privacy. Yes, I get it. I'm sure all this data is obviously uh, aggregated anonymously and so on. But even so, surely there's going to be some such trivial kind of practical questions insofar as how do you get people to opt in or out of collecting this data, using it, et cetera? Is the purpose to sort of allow the companies from whom you're getting this data to kind of say, work with municipalities in some way will be should not the drivers the owners of these vehicles be able to kind of get some cut of any shared data as it were that kind of thing sure yeah I mean, it sounded like maybe there were two questions in there one one around kind it was of at least safe, two questions in there. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like maybe safety another one around kind of um this data marketplace let's call it and yeah. so um i mean in the in the few minutes we have remaining i, I would say on, on the first part yeah absolutely that's like you know it's it's sort of a in engineering parlance, we would call that a P0, uh, meaning like, you know, we, we can't ship, with, ship without having, uh, you know, the processes and safeguards in place. And so a good right. example is we actually didn't come out of stealth until, um, you know, we were able to ensure that we could anonymize and, you know, do things like face blurring and license plate blurring. I mean, the, the good news is we were, there was already actually a template for that from years before, you know, mm -hmm. Google had to figure this out oh, yeah, themselves. Sure. Right. Um, and it's, by the way, those rules also are very different from country to country sure. and they're evolving. You have GDPR now. So I think, um, we had the luxury of kind of, you know, already knowing some of the rules of the game and making sure that we were prepared from the get go on that. Um, and then of course, you know, there's no one more concerned and protective than automakers on that, right? You're not talking about just a bunch of freewheeling Silicon Valley techie companies. You're talking about, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're talking about companies that have been bending metal for a century and, and, you know, safety is just, um, security is just absolutely, you know, uh, the thing that keeps them up at night the most. And so, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I guess that's, you know, we could, we could have a much, we could have a whole uh, series of podcasts just on that, but um, sure. I would say, yeah, that's like a kind of non-negotiable. And then um, in terms of the, you know, the marketplace, let's, let's, let's put it, um, actually, we're seeing some interesting signs there. First of all, what's, what's really nice is, you know, the, the Toyota initiatives is a perfect example of it. Um but you know, I think we're seeing more openness to um, kind of pooling of data for you know understanding that it's there is sort of a win-win-win type of dynamic to be had. I think usually what happens in early days is anyone who has any kind of you know head start or feels like they have a proprietary asset, they they're very protective over it, right? Um, but then at some at some point maybe that starts to commoditize, or maybe there's regulatory pressure to um, you know, to be more kind of collaborative or, you know, share more information. Um, you know, this, this is probably just exactly what played out in the airline industry, for example, over decades, right? You know, mm -hmm. now none of the airlines can compete on safety, really. Um, but, um, 
you know, they kind of, they share their data. If, if an accident happens, they, they sure. actually, you know, everyone has access to what the cause of it was. So I think generally that's a positive mega trend. You know, it's not happening overnight, but we're starting to see that happen. Um, and um, I would say also that applies to, you know, city governments, for example, um, and even some private companies as well. Like I said, we've, we've always felt that way from the beginning in terms of, you know, setting ourselves up to be able to support that, um, uh, you know, kind of, data sharing dynamic and you know we see others doing that as well which is good um in terms of you know kind of economics i think in our case we wanted to make sure we had a very cost effective way to do this and so you know just paying people to collect data like while sure you can do that that doesn't necessarily scale uh um you know at least to the levels that we wanted to long term and so for us we were able to to actually arguably provide even more value than, you know, just paying a company in the form of a technology that manages risk for them. You know, so if you think about this telematic services there, that's helping them protect very valuable assets, meaning the, the driver, the vehicle, and in some cases, the cargo is worth, you know, a multiple of what the vehicle's worth. You know, you have a, you have a, you have a truck full of iPhones or something, right? <laughs> you know, that's, sure. that's a lot. Sure, no, it makes sense. Because uh, what, what I was thinking so, about, yeah. mm -hmm. Because the reason I was asking, I was thinking about there's this company in London, the name totally eludes me right now, but uh, you may have heard about this. They, they they decided to sort of install software on kind of all the Ubers and Addison Lees, uh, realizing that everyone places their camera in the windshield of their car. So why not just collect all the camera data from all these ride sharing companies that go around, you know? Um, yeah. So I was just thinking, like, if everyone, if everyone theoretically opted into that kind of thing, it would potentially... Uh, maybe a win for all parties, right? They could collect some cash. So you guys would get more data. Does that just not make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah for like? sure. No, no, for oh, sure. No. So yeah, and just to finish that point, in our case, you know, for us, it's really providing a valuable service. And we work with professional, you know, fleets uh, for the most part. Um, but, you know, there's definitely other companies, some of whom we're friends, friends with, and, um, you know, some of who actually are now, um, you know, realizing that there's a way to work with each other as opposed to just, you know, kind of hoarding, sure. <laughs> hoarding data. Um, but, you know, they have figured out ways to incentivize, you know, Uber drivers or taxi drivers to mm. keep this dash cam running, either by, by providing some kind of utility to them or by, you know, giving them gift cards or whatever that might be. Might be. Sure. So, um, yeah, you definitely have to provide some value in return. Um, and that differs, you know, from company to company. Sure. In our case, mm. it's been more of a, you know, actually providing, uh, risk management telematics type of service. Gotcha. So the last question I'd love to ask you, just because I'd be remiss not to do so, it's turned up in the podcast so many times, uh, 5G. <laughs> and I say this in a really mm -hmm. broad sense, or maybe I should say it the inverted way. So vehicle to vehicle, vehicle to I, vehicle to X. Um, to what extent is this kind of a necessary or just sort of a nice to have thing from any point of view you'd like, whether the issue is indeed this pipe dream of kind of one millisecond latencies or not, depending on how it's provided, I suppose. And especially when tied into this question of how the heck do you cover everywhere, if indeed it's necessary, when we can't even get 4G coverage everywhere, being that 5G has such limited range. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that was one of the first questions I asked with people that I was sort of validating this concept of Carmera with back five years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I actually think the answer to that hasn't really changed too much, which is kind of to, to touch on what you just said, which is it would be a nice to have, in some cases a very nice to have, Yep. But uh, no one, no one holds their breath for it or, you know, uh, like, you know, actually we have a saying around the office, which is uh, really applied to a lot of things in, in, in our industry, but especially to connectivity, which is um, assume the worst 
uh, expect okay and hope for the best, right? I mean, so, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, assume the worst is, it doesn't happen often, but it happens often enough where you have to basically design assuming zero connectivity, where you're in a, you know, cellular desert or, or you know, just basically a tower stops working, whatever that might be, right? And so examples of that are making sure that our customers have, you know, very fresh data cast already in the vehicle. And there's a good way to, you know, to maintain that even if they don't have a connection. Um, but in most cases, right, the, the, the majority of the curve, so to speak, is going to be okay, at least for the, the, the time horizon that we're all able to plan for. And what we mean by okay is just assume that, you know, whatever limitations you have with your, say, cell phone right now, uh, whether that's storage, whether that's connectivity, whether that's cost of the data plan, you know, just assume that that's what you're going to kind of be constrained by for the most part um, when you're uh, delivering to a customer in automotive. And then the hope for the best is, hey, great, if DSRC takes off, if, you know, 5G, um, any of these uh, either vehicle to vehicle or just really just next generation cellular technologies, you know, really become ubiquitous instead of just demos and, you know, small scale, that's great. Um, and, and we could do so much more that would most likely that would just accelerate the time frame or expand the, you know, the operational domain that companies are willing to um you know, to actually deploy in faster than it otherwise would have. It may allow us to, um, you know, it, it, and our customers to, you know, deploy in weather conditions they may not have thought about. You know, it basically just expands the pie and, and does so faster. But, you know, I, I can tell you exactly zero customers who are actually working on production plans have, you know, basically, you know, have basically like been very, um, determined you know, definitive in terms of hey this is what you need to have for 5g <laughs> i think you know they also realize that it's it's very very hard to predict when infrastructure will actually be ubiquitous and commercially available and therefore you know you just can't design around that i mean that's really good news right that that's actually very reassuring to hear you say and if i'm honest you're not the first person to say that because let's face it if it turned out that everything you're trying to do if everything everyone was trying to do was kind of dependent upon this entire new set of technology say 5g right that would be really uh, kind of depressing actually <laughs> um so it's nice yeah. to know it's more of a nice to have rather than a need to have because that would just sort of unravel everything otherwise exactly yeah, yeah. i mean I, th I think it's just kind of a non-starter because otherwise everyone would be kind of you know in paralysis mode yeah exactly awesome well Ro, this has been really great uh, obviously really excited to see what you guys are up to again congratulations on the partnership for toyota that's pretty huge so strong work and uh, thanks so much for uh, joining me for the show. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. Look forward My to pleasure. Uh, hearing more. Thanks. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Don't forget, if you didn't catch my one-year special 19-minute video review of Tesla Model 3 with Enhanced Autopilot, be sure to check it out now. Head on over to YouTube. Just search for autonomous hogue and you'll find it there meanwhile while you're there please do subscribe to the channel because i need 100 subscribers in order to get a custom url youtube.com slash autonomous hogue so thanks very much for that indeed and meanwhile don't forget to follow me on all social media at autonomous hogue well that's a wrap for today and indeed this week as a friendly reminder please don't forget to leave me five stars on itunes if you're enjoying this show and meanwhile have a wonderful weekend ahead thanks so much for listening i'll see you back here next week Bye-bye.